0: Section 19 of Mrs. Diamond. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. Mrs. Diamond by Isabella Thackeray Ritchie. Volume 2. Chapter 11. Day by Day. I vowed that I would dedicate my hours to thee and thine have i not kept that vow shelley there are bits of life which seem like a macadamized road the wheels of fortune roll on carrying you passively away from all that you've done felt said perhaps for years past fate bears you on without any effort of your own you need no longer struggle the road travels into new regions time passes and the hours strike on and new feelings and new unconceived phrases arise while you rest passively with your companions perhaps meanwhile some of us have left the romantic passes and horizons of youth behind reaching the wider and more fertile plains of middle life susie who was young still embraced the calm of middle age with something like passion by degrees she took the present in and realized little by little where she was who she was how things were in what relations the people among whom her lot was cast all stood to one another she realized her husband's tender pride and affection for herself and his anxious love for his children realized the deep pain and bewilderment which any estrangement between crobert place and bolsover hall would be to him susy no longer wondered as she used to do in paris that the kind old colonel had not become more intimate with his son and daughter he loved them and they loved him but too many rules and trivial punctualities seem to stand in the way of their ease it is as little possible to be quite natural with a person who is nervously glancing at the clock to see if it is time to do something else as it is to write unreservedly to a friend who dockets and dates your letters for future publication or to talk openly to a superior whom you must not contradict for susy there was rest in these minor details after her chaotic experience the order the tranquillity of all this suited her and she tried more and more to suit herself to her husband's ways and habits to show by her life the warm and loving gratitude she felt in her heart when susanna diamond first came to tarndale as a bride she was not very different from what mr bolsover remembered her at vivian castle she was tall and harmonious in her movements especially when she was at her ease her face was of changing colour her eyes were clear like two mountain pools her brown hair was thick and soft the tint of the bracken in autumn and as the squire once gallantly said with all the lights in it there were two susannas some people used to think one young and girlish with a sweet voice and smile with a glad and ready response for those who loved her the other susanna was mrs diamond stately reserved uninceptionable but scarcely charming any more as the days passed on the neighbours began to drive up by basketfuls and carriagefuls to make the acquaintance of the new lady of crobeck some came in boats some on foot some on horseback to pay their respects to the bride they would be ushered into the drawing-room with a glimpse of the lake without with the stuffed birds and the gorgeous chintzes within those remaining tokens of aunt fanny's oriental fancy not unfrequently the colonel would come in from his study looking pleased and ready to receive his friend's congratulations brushed up was the verdict passed upon the colonel tempy who kept out of the way was pronounced dreadfully changed and finally the bride herself was to be commented on as she sat there placid reserved in smartest paris fashions susy puzzled other people beside her neighbours who hardly knew as yet what to think of her To please her husband, who liked his wife to hold her own, to be respected as well as admired, she tried to cultivate a stiff and measured manner, something in the style of her own newly bought silks and laces. She had lost her girlish look of wondering confidence and simplicity. Nobody to see her would imagine that she had ever lived in anything but county society of the most orthodox description. Alone with Joe and Tempe, or walking in sunshine by the green shore of the lake, she would forget this lay figure made up of manners and fashions, but at the first sound of wheels in the distance all our Cinderella's grace of youth and gaiety vanished, all her bright gala looks were gone. There she stood in milliner's rags and elaborate tatters, prim and scared and blurred by the decorum which oppressed her at paris colonel diamond had laid his old habits and associations aside but here in his old surroundings with miss fanny's pink eye to mark anything new or amiss his idiosyncrasies returned with a renewed force meanwhile however wanting susanna might seem to miss bolsover's ideas to miss trindles the vicar's daughter or to mrs jeffreys the doctor's wife mrs diamond appeared the very personification of calm and successful prosperity she was handsome without expression well dressed without much taste she had been used to consult the colonel latterly about her dress finding her own fancies for the picturesque not approved her clothes were expensive her shoes were french her gloves were always buttoned her manners were well-made county manners composed and somewhat starched this was the susanna of the neighbors and many a girl envied her but this was not the home susanna who little by little day by day and hour after hour melted and warmed and thawed the hearts of the two young people who had met her with such scrutinizing looks and divided minds how often susy in her early married days had suffered from those glances Joe had relented from the first moment he saw her standing shyly in the drawing-room, but Tempe used to have strange returns of suspicion. And whenever Susie by chance met one of Tempe's doubtful, scrutinizing looks, she would shrink up suddenly into herself. Or if Mrs. Bolsover came in severe and incoherent, or worse still, if it was Miss Bolsover, sneering and civil, then the new married wife would turn into a sort of statue susanna used to feel the cold strike upon her heart her blood seemed to creep more and more slowly in her veins and her voice died away she rarely said much in company for she had lived among talkative people all her life but with miss bolsover present she became utterly silent her nature was not an outcoming one but very deep in its secret fidelity and conviction she was not timid and yet she was apt to be too easily impressed and frightened by the minor details of life she did not hold her own when other more self-important people were ready to thrust themselves into her rightful place she could not ignore the opposition from which the very first had met her but she never spoke of it she had a curious instinctive sense of the rights of those she lived with she dreaded to jar upon them to be the cause of trouble or discussion and little by little she got into a habit of always looking to her husband for a signal he led the way he started the conversation he invited the people who came to the house dowagers from neighbouring dower houses well-to-do magnates respectable rectors and rectresses colonels and generals of his own standing with the colonel's old companions susie felt more at her ease than with anyone else these comrades in arms were invariably charmed with mrs diamond's grace and gentle temper no wonder they lost their hearts to the beautiful young creature so sweet to look upon so modest and ready to listen to their martial prose you should just hear her talking about the Punjab," says tempy in amazement to her brother tempy used to wonder more and more about susy she seemed no longer able to understand her but perhaps the truth was that miss tempy had never much troubled herself to understand her at all hitherto she used to speculate about susy now with an odd mixture of affection of pride and jealous irritation was she really happy did susy really care for her father what does it matter Jo answers impatiently you and aunt fanny are always for skinning a person alive and i hate talking about people i am fond of as for the colonel he was delighted with everything susy did whether she spoke to others or held her peace because he loved her so well because he spent his money so freely upon her because she was so good a wife he took it for granted she was a happy one and indeed susy never seemed otherwise she appeared free to do as she liked in most things or to submit with good will to her husband and her sisters-in-law when these ladies contradicted or utterly ignored her she would smile good-humouredly and yet in her heart she now and then had experienced A strange feeling that she scarcely realized. Something tired, desperate, sudden, unreasonable, almost wicked. The feeling she thought must go, and she would forget it for a time, and then suddenly there it was again. What is it, my dear? Is the room too hot? said the Colonel one day, seeing her start up. Miss Bolsover was explaining some details she altered in the arrangements at the place. His back had been turned, and he had not noticed Susie's growing pallor nothing nothing says susy and she got up but as she passed him took his hand in hers and kissed it and went out of the room she hurried upstairs into her own room she sank into the big chair she burst into incoherent tears then when she had gulped them down she went to the basin and poured water to wash her troubles away her troubles her ingratitude john had been so kind john so generous and good was this how she his wife would requite him for his endless kindness and benefits by secret rebellion unkindness opposition ah no never never thought the girl and the young wife whose only wish was to spare her faithful chivalrous old colonel did that which perhaps must have hurt and wounded him most of all had he known it she was not insincere but she was not outspoken she did not say all she felt she put a force and a constraint upon herself, crushed her own natural instincts, lived as she thought he expected her to live, was silent where she could not agree, obliged herself to think as he did, and suffered under this mental suicide. There is something to me almost disloyal in some of the sacrifices which are daily made by some persons for others who would not willingly inflict one moment's pang upon any human creature. How much less doom those dearest to them, to the heavy load of enforced submission, into a long life deadening repression. I, for one, don't pretend to know what Susanna means or wishes, says Aunt Fanny. But although Miss Bolsover did not understand, my heroine in the course of her life changed not, and therefore often changed. She was loyal and therefore she was faithless, loyal in her affection, faithless in her adherence to the creeds of those she loved when she was young she believed and she doubted when she was older she doubted less but then she also believed less fervently but in one thing at least she was constant and that was in her loving fidelity to those whose interests were in her keeping people did not always do her justice max park was one of these during the following spring to please mrs Marney, who had written over the subject colonel diamond not over graciously it must be confessed invited du pare to spend a night at crowbeck the colonel's invitation reached the young man at the tarndale inn where he was staying he had come there to make an etching of a turner in the collection of friars tarndale one of those pictures which m hayes had been anxious to include in his publication max who had been hard at work for karen all the winter and obliged to give up the volumes containing the london galleries had still found time to bring out a smaller collection of drawings from country houses and had come to tarndale for a few days he felt some curiosity as to susie's english home but did not like to pain her good mother by refusing the diamonds somewhat stinted hospitality so he wrote a note of dry acceptance in return for the colonels and walked over to crowbeck after his day's work carrying his bag for the night the party from the hall had driven over for the occasion and passed him on the way susy looked forward with some pleasure to entertaining her french guest to showing him his own etchings hanging up in her room to hearing all of the events at the villa and of madame du and mill fayard and all the rest but the guest though brought to crowbeck would not talk he would not be entertained he became silent observant constrained and alarming he answered indeed when spoken to but he never looked interested nor would he relax enough to smile except indeed when miss bolsover graciously and volubly conversed in french with him after dinner dupart left early next morning susanna was vaguely disappointed and a little hurt his shyness had made her shy and she had scarcely asked any of the questions she had meant to ask she had not shown him the drawings she had wanted to show him and she had felt some curious reserve and disapprobation in his manner which had perplexed her it's no use trying to entertain these foreign artists and fellows said the colonel after max's departure they want their pipes and their liberty they are quite out of place in a lady's drawing-room over here monsieur de parc certainly did not seem to like being here said susy smiling for my part i like artists says miss bolsover and we got on delightfully i asked him to teach me argot he looked so amused well max mrs marney was saying as she sat under the acacia tree in the little front garden at Newley, where the sun was shining so brightly though its rays were still shrouded in mist by the waters of tarndale tell me about it have you seen my susy is the colonel very proud of her how did she look is she very grand is she changed wasn't she glad to see an old friend yes said du pare doubtfully and lighting a cigar as he spoke she was very polite and hospitable she's looking forward to your visit she told me to say so she sent a to my mother she's changed she's handsomer than ever she's richly dressed her life seems to be everything that is most respectable and tiresome she gave me a shake hands that young miss her daughter stared at me as if i was a stuffed animal the son was away preparing for his college there was an aunt a big wine lady who frightened me horribly an uncle in top-boots a little man to make you laugh there was a second aunt a red old lady who was kind enough to interest herself in me to take me for a walk in the park she was even amiable enough to make some sentimental conversation they are extraordinary those english ah it is not life among those respectables it is a funeral ceremony always going on i give you my word says max taking his cigar out of his mouth and staring thoughtfully at mrs marney's knitting it seemed to me as if i was a corpse laid out in that drawing-room as if all the rest were mourners who came and stood around about madame diamond too seemed to me only half alive and laid out in elegant seri-clothes oh max you are too bad cries his mother in english how can you talk in that ugly way making p n to mrs marney no, I don't think it at all nice of you, Monsieur Max, says Mrs. Mamey reproachfully. You are quite right, and I am not nice, and I don't deserve half your kindness, cried the young man penitently, taking his old friends and gallantly kissing it. Ah, Max, would have liked to be before, and, said his mother, laughing, Susanna is a sweet creature. We must find such another one day for my son. Max looked back and walked away into his studio. End of section 19.